Well, there's our, our new series coming along to you, and it is The Elephant in the Family Room. And so over the next couple of weeks, um, we will be bringing you that subject matter. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, and um, it's going to be fun, right? Amen. So today, as we start this new series, uh, we want to talk about that elephant in the family room, and that's really about the uncomfortable feeling that occurs in families when there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, and everybody's ignoring it, or everybody's denying it, or everybody's wanting it to just go away. The issue is the elephant in the room. See, healthy families will deal with the elephant. Unhealthy families avoid the elephant. Now notice that I did not say healthy families don't have elephants because all of us have elephants and all families deal with their elephants. Every family has issues, every family has some problems, every family has brokenness and woundedness and no one's exempt. There's no perfect family in the world. In this series, we're going to talk about some of these elephants that are in their family room, and we're gonna look at how we're going to deal with them. So when we look at scripture, you know, the Bible is a book about real people who lived real lives. Aren't you grateful for that? It is not a book of perfect families and perfect people. It is their stories about how they behaved in godly ways and in ungodly ways. And so we see jealousy and anger and rage and discord and pain and brokenness and loneliness and insecurity and self-pity. We see all kinds of things in scripture, just like people today, just like you, just like I am today. And some of these biblical characters operated in self-interest with really little regards for anybody else. Some of them dealt in conflict with constructive ways, but some of them were in conflict when in destructive ways. Some of these families and people made good choices. Some of them made irresponsible choices, impulsive choices. But in many ways, biblical families are a mirror of our own family. Biblical families are a mirror of our own, which is what makes the Bible so relevant and so powerful because we can relate to the stories that are in the scripture. And as we relate to those stories, we also have hope to the redemption that God has for us. So we're gonna start by looking at King Saul in the book of 1 Samuel. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel 13, we're gonna read verses 16 through 14, and then also read another patch, passage in 1 Samuel 15. But let's begin with verse six out of 1 Samuel 13. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, because Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still hadn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offerings himself. 
Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this that you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you hadn't arrived and when you said that you would. And the Philistines are at Mechmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel explained. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end For the Lord has sought a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now let's take a look at 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 3, and then on to verse 9. Verse 3 says, Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Verse nine, Saul and his men spread Agag's life, spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of pure quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. And early in the morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. And then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is the bleeding of sheep and goats and lowing of cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep and goats and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We've destroyed everything else. What did he tell you? Sorry, then Samuel said to Saul, stop and listen to what the Lord told me last night. Saul asked, what did he tell you? And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission, and he told you this, completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Did you notice in the reading of those two stories with King Saul, did you notice an elephant in the room? An elephant in that situation? Because you see, when we read about Saul's life, we discover that he had a whole lot of issues. He had a lot of anger, he had a lot of rage, he had pride, disobedience, he lied. But those weren't his biggest problems. His biggest problem was that he lacked 
self-awareness. And everyone around him knew it but him. He was living in self-deception. And that's the topic of our first message in this series. See, self-deception or the inability to see and tell oneself the truth is what cost Saul his family and his kingdom. And I believe the issue of self-deception where one or more family members are so oblivious to the impact of their attitudes and actions is what actually destroys families and marriages. They think that their behaviors and attitudes are normal and that they are okay. And they don't even see that their impact on relationships. And they see everyone else as the problem. They blame others and other situations. So here's a funny look at a lack of self-awareness. So watch this video. I feel like there's just all this pressure coming from all these different places, and I don't know where it's coming from, but it's all right here, right in front of me. And it's just really strong up there. Uh, baby, you have a nail in your forehead. It is not about the nail. I, I really think we should get the nail out with a hammer. This is what you always do. You keep trying to fix me, and you don't just listen. I need you to just listen. I really don't think that's what you need now. I, I think, you, let's get a hammer and get that bad boy out. See, you're doing it, not listening. Okay, how does it make you feel? It makes me feel really bad, and sometimes it really hurts, and all of my sweaters are snagged, <laughs> all of them. It's really upsetting. That sounds like it's pretty hard. It is, thank you. Ow! Oh! You know what? If we got that nail- Stop! <laughs> well, that's kind of a little funny, um, a little funny rendition of what it really looked like, but you know what? Sometimes we cannot see and we don't want to hear what we don't want to hear, right? So what is the problem of self-deception? Let's take a look at that. Self-deception is the act of deceiving oneself or having an incorrect perception of oneself. It's where people absolutely refuse to see the truth about themselves. So like in the video that we just saw with the nail, even a loving husband trying to help her see what is really the problem, she is shutting him out, saying that is not it. That's all about self-deception. All too often, we are blinded and we don't even realize it. King Saul refused to see the truth about his actions and instead, he chose to hide behind lies that he was telling others and he was telling himself. The problem with self-deception is that you end up living the lie as a truth. And healthy marriages and healthy families won't survive if they're built on lies. Eventually, it all comes crashing down. So let's take a look at a few scriptures. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Proverbs 16, 25 tells us there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it is death. 
Hebrews 3.12, be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. See, the problem with self-deception is that it feels right to us. But in reality, it is leading us away from the life that God has for us. In fact, at one point, Saul's deception is so great that he actually declares in his disobedience that he is really obedient. He, he proclaims, I have performed the commandments of the Lord, when in fact he had not. The self-deception that's going on in our world today is causing people to call right wrong and wrong right. So what are the characteristics of self-deception? Let's take a look at few, a few. First of all, for someone who is in a self-deceptive uh, mode, they exhibit no shame and no guilt. No shame, no guilt. So when Samuel was confronted by Saul, he didn't feel any guilt, he didn't feel any shame over what he had done. He just dug his heels in and he claimed innocence. The self-deceived don't see their actions. They don't see their behaviors as wrong. And they don't see how it affects one another. Saul didn't think he was doing anything wrong. He declared to Samuel, I'm obeying God. I have done what he told me to do. He couldn't see what, where his disobedience was. Second, self-deceived people often justify their actions. Saul told Samuel that he had saved the animals because they were a, a prize. They were so prized that, that they didn't want to destroy them but wanted to offer them as a sacrifice. And then he tells Samuel that he didn't want to wait to sacrifice for him before he went to battle because he felt they were going to get defeated in battle, so he did the sacrifice himself. See, self-deceived don't clearly see the truth about their actions. They justify it. They feel that they're right in disobeying or, going, uh, or doing something wrong for the right reasons. They lose their ability to discern wrong actions from right. Third, self-deceived people live with paranoia and insecurity. Saul had such an irrational fear of David. He also had a fear of failure which led to insecurities that caused him to, to lie about how things really were. Oftentimes we are living in families and we have the elephants in the family room and we know sitting at um, dinner tables and holiday tables that, well, we don't talk about this subject when this family member's here and we won't do these things when that family member's here. And it's always about avoiding the elephant in the room because we're afraid of what might happen or what might not happen. And we, we become bonded to one another more or less in fear bonds, which is how do I solve that problem that's in my family room without actually addressing it? So I either ignore it, deny it, or I pretend around it, or I dress it up nice and pretty. And those are fear bonds because I'm trying to solve the problem rather than walking in love bonds that says, how do I act like myself in a hard situation in the reality of what is here? So when the elephant is in the family room, it's a problem, and we've got to decide what we will do. And if we are afraid to speak to the elephant problem, that's when we ignore it, mishandle it due to fear. Number four, 
Self-deceived people blame others for problems or for the circumstances. So when, again, when confronted, Saul blamed Samuel for not being on time. You weren't on time, Samuel. I was waiting for you, so I decided to do the offering myself. And in chapter 15, he blames the troops for keeping the animals alive when they were supposed to destroy it, and he doesn't take ownership. See, self-deceived people never see themselves as the problem. It's always someone else's fault. It's your wife, your husband's fault, your kid's fault, or the parent's fault, or the job, or the church environment, politics, on and on. It's always somebody else's fault. Another reason for that self-deceived people behave in is they spiritualize their behavior. Saul told Samuel, I did this all for God, so he'd have the best possible sacrifice. It's really easy to hide behind spirituality. And we even label hiding behind spirituality with things like, well, God told me to do that. Really? Or, well, God hasn't convinced me of that yet, or I just don't feel led to do that. The point is we need to stop spiritualizing wrong behavior. And the scary part is all this made perfect sense to Saul. All of his wrong actions, all of his reasonings, all of his excuses and lying and blame made perfect sense in his heart and mind. He didn't see the problem. He couldn't decipher what was right or wrong. And he couldn't even obey the instructions of the Lord to the fullest. And that's what happens in families. Because we don't want to deal with the elephant in the room. We lie to ourselves. And like Saul, if you lie to yourself long enough, you eventually believe it yourself. We eventually believe the lie. So what are the reasons for self-deception? Why do people choose self-deception over the truth? Number one, the first reason is pride. Scripture says that pride goes before a fall. Pride blinds us to our issues. Pride blinds us to our stuff, our our baggage. Pride does not allow us to admit that we have issues and weaknesses and brokenness. Pride doesn't allow us to admit we have failure, which is a huge issue with men. See, Saul was so full of pride that he fell. And you and I, if our pride is huge in front of us, it will cause a fall in our own lives as well. The second reason People often will choose self-deception over truth is avoidance. Self-deception is a way of procrastinating and avoiding issues that we know we would have to otherwise deal with it. We refuse to let our minds go there. Instead, we choose to live in a fantasy world or an unrealistic world. The problem is that self-deception keeps us from getting in touch with and solving a real problem in our lives. And so when Saul was confronted by his son, Jonathan, about his irrational feelings toward David, he chose to ignore his own son, and he continued living in a world that he had created for himself, paranoid that David was after him. See, family members will often use busyness as an excuse to avoid dealing with the issues. 
You hear people say, I don't have time to deal with that, I'm just too busy. Or I'll get to that next week, and next week comes and goes because they're still too busy. We become so busy that we use it as an avoidance, which is really a self-protection tactic because I don't wanna deal with it. I don't wanna deal with the mess. Or because we may not know how to handle the mess. The third reason for self-deception is the desire to escape responsibility. As long as I'm living in self-deception, I don't have to own it and I don't have to take responsibility for it. I don't have to own my stuff and I can blame other people, other situations, or I can even spiritualize it. Living in denial and self-deception is convenient for people that don't want to take that kind of responsibility for their behavior. You know, we saw this in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had sinned and fell and the Lord came looking for them. They were dodging responsibility and playing the blame game right out of the gate. When Jesus said, who told, or in the, when God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you? And, and all of a sudden, started the blame game. Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, and on and on. They were trying to escape responsibility for their choice and for their sin. King Saul didn't take responsibility for his actions either of disobeying what God had instructed. So as long as we don't think we've done anything wrong, we numb ourselves to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we numb ourselves even to the kindness that leads us to repentance. Self-deception in a family, in a relationship, or in an organization is the showstopper because it doesn't allow us to deal with the real issues which then negates our destiny, the plans and purposes of God, the, the fruit of the Spirit, and on and on and on. When we live in self-deception, we negate the power of God in our lives because God is wanting us to live in truth. God is wanting us to live in wisdom. And when we choose to live in self-deception and lies and have blinders on, so that no one can tell us anything else. We negate the plan and purpose of God in our life. So I hear the question coming, all right, how do we make sure we're not living in deception and what is the solution? Well, let me begin with the solution to self-deception with this little object, which is a mirror. We all have these in our homes, do we not? We all use them every single day to look in the mirror and find out what's uh, how this whole thing is looking, right? We look to see, do we got any um, you know, spinach left over there from dinner? Uh, we look to see how our hair is doing, do our clothes match, and uh, according to what we see, we make adjustments, or we hope we make adjustments, right? And, when, and, and so that after the adjustments are made and we feel like we've got ourselves together, we then proceed on our day. Well, the purpose of a mirror is to allow you to see yourself and make sure you leave the house ready to go. A mirror is the purpose of self-examination. And if we find something wrong or something we don't like, we correct it. James 1, through 24 says this, don't just listen to God's word, but you must 
do what it says. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like, AKA self-deception. All too often, we look into scripture and we hear what scripture says and then we walk away and we do what we wanna do. We do our thing and we don't obey. The word of God is the mirror that helps us examine ourselves. So there's three steps that you can take to keep yourself from self-deception. Step number one in overcoming self-deception is to ask God to reveal the blind spots and issues in your life. Ask him, God, what in me are my issues? What are my blind spots? You have got to be honest with yourself and stop avoiding and stop covering up what you don't wanna see and locate the real issues going on inside of you. And if we ask God, he will show us. David, in Psalms, said this, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. David understood the mirror and his mirror was looking into God and asking him, what do you see in me? Tell me, search me, so that I can walk in more righteous ways. Now David was a man after God's own heart. David was a murderer and a betrayer as well. But David also understood and was self-aware and knew that he could not fully decipher his own heart. So he asked for the help of the Lord. And that is what you and I need to do. We need to ask God, show me, show me, show me, and tell me what is there. The word of the Lord, the word of God is the mirror that helps us examine ourselves. And we need to remember that. Step number two in overcoming self-deception is to take responsibility for our issues and choose to deal with them. See, we can be told what our issues are. We can even identify an issue. And if that's all we do, the issue still deals with us. But when we identify the issue, when the Lord has spoken to us about something in our heart and in our life, we get to make the choice of whether or not we will deal with it. Because, see, we can choose a different path. The enemy wants to make us feel like we're stuck. There's nowhere else you can turn. It's never going to be any different. And that's just not true. We know that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And oftentimes in families, and when we know there's an elephant in the room or when we know there's an elephant in the situation, we keep trying to do the same thing and we keep wanting a different response and we never get it. So we've got to come to the reality that the Lord can show us what it is we need to know about our issues and we can choose to deal with them differently so we get a different outcome. Deuteronomy 30, 15, God says, today I have set life and death before you. Choose life 
You have choices. You have choice. God created man with the ability to choose. And he's put the choice, power of choice, in your hand. So people live in self-deception because they chose that way. They chose that path. Step three in overcoming self-deception is to exchange the lies you've been embracing with the truth of God. This is, again, is where the word of God acts as our mirror. We need to check our attitudes and our actions with the word of God to make sure we're in alignment. Am I doing what the word says or what I, or am I doing what I just feel like doing? Am I living the way the word has shown me to live or am I living the way that I want to live that seems right to me? See, the word of the Lord is not a book of suggestions. The word of the Lord is the plumb line of righteousness and holiness, integrity, ethical behavior. That's how we are to treat the word of God. It is not up for discussion. The word of the Lord is our plumb line, and we need to make it our plumb line. So many people in our world live by their feelings or what seems right to them. We read in Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it is death. So we need to understand and realize that if I'm making decisions and choices based upon what I feel is right, if it is not concrete in the word of the Lord, then it will lead me unto death. Many marriages and families are dying because they have been led down the wrong path by doing things about how, on the premise of what feels right even when it is completely contrary to the word of the Lord. See, we don't live by our feelings. We live by every word that proceedeth out of his mouth and the word, the written word of God. Anything we're doing or thinking that doesn't line up with the scripture of the word, it needs to go. So I'm pleading with you this morning, don't let this happen in your life. Don't let this happen in your marriages and in your family. Don't allow the elephant in the family room to go undealt with. Because if you won't deal with the elephant in your family room, that elephant will deal with you. As much as we ignore it, as much as we wanna say it doesn't really exist or it'll go away, no, it doesn't. We are constantly positioning against an elephant in the family room or an elephant in the room. We have to deal with it head on. We need the wisdom at times to deal with it head on, but God will give that to us. Hebrews 3, 15 says, today hear God's voice and don't harden your heart and rebel against God as Israel did. Back to that verse that said, don't just listen about God's word, but obey God's word. We all have blind spots. We all live in self-deception to some degree. But today, we can make a choice. We can make a choice to hold up the word of the Lord as a mirror in our life. We can make a choice to ask trusted friends and family members and spiritual counsel to look into our lives and give us good counsel so that we can see our blind spots, so that we can decipher the issues that are at hand, so we can choose to deal with the issues that are at hand. We are not... We are not left without guidance and help from the Lord in dealing with our baggage and our stuff. We get to look to the biblical characters of, 
of scripture and see the chaos of their life, but we also get to look and see the miracles of their, of the, of their lives and see the hand of God touch their life. And at the same time, we can see the devastation of their life when they didn't yield. King Saul's devastation of his life and his kingdom was taken because he refused to yield. And the Lord had given Samuel to walk alongside of him, to help him, to, to uh, be a spiritual counsel to him, and Saul kept acting out on his own. And the Lord has provided spiritual counsel in all of our lives and spiritual wisdom coming out of the scriptures to help guide us down the road. Don't turn your ear deaf to that. Not only hear the word of the Lord, but obey the word of the Lord. Because if we don't, we will continue to float merrily down the river to destruction. Or we can have that choice to open ourselves to the Spirit, to ask Him to reveal the places of our life where we have become self-deceived. We can ask Him to help us and make those corrections. And we can have the kind of families and marriages and relationships that we so desire. It takes work. It's not an easy thing. Becoming self-aware and asking people to see uh, what do they see in my life or what, do they, what, what, uh, what might they help me in this situation is not an easy task because all too often we just want to handle it ourselves. But Jesus has given us his counsel and his guidance. And you know, Jesus isn't shocked about anything that you're dealing with. He's not shocked about the issues of your life. He's there to help us. And nothing is going to stop him from loving us, even in the midst of that. He wants us to become whole. It's the reason he came to earth. So we can make choices to begin to deal with our issues, to get rid of our pride, to stop avoiding, and stop trying to escape issues and decide to deal with them head on. There's a story that's told about a woman who lost her life savings in a business deal that was run by a swindler. And after her life was destroyed and her savings was completely gone, she decided then to go to the Better Business Bureau. Officials asked her there, ma'am, why didn't you come to us first? Didn't you know about the Better Business Bureau? And she said yes, hanging her head a little low. I knew, I knew about it, but um, I didn't come because I was just afraid you, you were going to tell me not to go through with this business deal. See, that describes so many of us when it comes to the relationship to the Word of God. Oftentimes, we just don't want to hear what God has to say about what we feel like we want to do. We just kind of want to live our life and do our thing our way. And yet there's something inside of us that just knows if I'd ask for counsel, if I go to the Word, I might find an answer that I don't want to hear. But oftentimes, it leads us to destruction. So that just describes some people in relationship to the word of God. And we need to be aware that that can ruin our marriages and ruin our families. And, and it ruins our community and ruins organizations and ruins churches. So we need to be willing to seek out the truth 
And we need to be willing to allow the Lord to tell us truthful things about our heart. And we need to be willing to tell ourselves the truth. Would you bow your head in prayer? Heavenly Father, I, I thank you today that, that you have allowed us to see into the mirror of your word, that this living word is alive and well today, and that it is working in our hearts, and that your anointing rides upon the pages of scripture that, that give us practical help and spiritual help that give us wisdom and guidance and grace for all that we are dealing with. And today, Lord, as we reflect upon what it is that we have heard in relationship to our families and the elephant in the family room, Father, we just ask that you give us the grace to deal with the situations as you would have us deal with them. Give us the grace to hear what you are saying to us and help us to choose self-awareness over self-deception. Give us the ability, Father, to look at our issues or the issues in our family. Give us the ability to ask you and ask trusted counsel if there's any blind spots that they see that, that we aren't seeing or listening to them. Father, we invite you to reveal truth to us. We invite you to reveal truth because we want to grow and we want to be all that you have for us. And we want marriages and families and a community of believers that walk in truth and love and hope. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are still closed, I just want to speak a moment to just in case if there's anyone here today that you, you just realize you need the Lord in your life as your Savior. You've walked and you've found that living life without Him has been hard and, and has been difficult. And today, just being in the presence of believers and the worship and the word that is coming forth, you're sensing that I need to turn my life over to the Lord. And if that is you today, we want to pray with you. And, and so while no one's looking around, I ask that if, if you're feeling in that way, you want to raise your hand we would love to pray with you today and invite you into the family and and embrace you in that way so is there anyone here that feels that i need to take that step of salvation i need to come into the family of god you could just raise your hand would everyone just stand with me and we're going to pray this salvation prayer because those who are watching online Someone may there very well need to know Christ is their Savior. So I'm just going to ask, can we all say this together? And uh, if you're watching with us and need the, need, the, need the Lord as your Savior, just pray this after us. Dear Heavenly Father, I recognize that I need you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to come into my life and to wash me clean. And I ask that you walk with me 
and that you talk to me and that you lead me into truth so that I can live the life you've called me to live and be the person you called me to be. In Jesus' name.